0: So we're going to tag team it tonight. (laughs) Yeah, because because I need my brothers and my brothers need me. So uh, just to begin to before we actually start recording, uh, a couple things I want to cover. One is uh, I am so glad to be in the house of God with all of you guys tonight. This is a family time for me. I know this for you as well. Uh, As we progress and and go through uh, the next couple of days, if not the next couple of weeks, we're going to stay in constant contact about what needs there are out there. Uh, Raise your hand if you have already come down with a full dose of cabin fever. Yes, that's a majority of people in all the church. So everyone, especially in in this church, is anxious to do something. Don't worry. Uh, We're going to get things uh, uh, lined up and let you know what we come in contact with, and how you contribute. Tonight's message is going to be centered on equipping and encouraging you guys with how to discern God's will in a moment like this and knowing how to respond appropriately so you don't just spend your energy and waste it. uh, Not necessarily waste it, but spend it in an area that God isn't directing you to. We can be effective everywhere that God has put us. Amen? Second encouragement... uh, Regulate your daily dosage of news media. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you haven't grown sick of already, I will pray tonight. I'll lay hands on you that you do eventually get sick of listening to the news. Um, and just, just for be able to, for me to be able to think through this, raise your hand if your home has received water damage. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. OK. One, two. Ibrahim, we don't know yet. We've got to get to your home okay. eventually. Can't even
1: get to your house to tell us. Yeah? Exactly. I, we get it. Next okay. All right.
0: So, one side of the tidbit as well. So, that is one, two, possibly three homes out of our entire church that has physically been affected. You know that last year, this exact time, King's Harvest Fellowship, it was just the opposite. It was only three homes that were unaffected. Yeah. All the other homes in the church had. 3 or anywhere from 18 inches to 8 feet of water inside of their homes. Yeah. Saints, uh, this is a time to be thankful before the living God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen, yes. Amen. But more importantly, what do we do with that thankfulness? Yeah. It, it means that we are equipped to be a blessing, not just receive a blessing, but to be a blessing. Yeah. Amen. We want to share that with you guys tonight.
1: Amen. Well, tonight is August 30th, 2017. The title of tonight's message is Practice and Perform. Practice and Perform. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5 to start with. And we're going to start in verse 13. Tell me there when you are there. One of the most glorious parts about what we get to do here is this church is our way of life. Everybody say way of life. way of life. What we do, what we're teaching here at this church is that we are trying to accomplish a way of life. It's not a program, it's not a it's not some type of methodology. It is actually what we are supposed to be doing with our lives. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. It says this, you are the salt of the earth. Does it say you have salt? that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Isn't it interesting that it starts off with what you're supposed to be? You're supposed to be the salt. You are supposed to be the light. You are supposed to have inside of you the characteristics of God. One of the things that I've been thinking about over the last few days as we've been trying to stay in contact with you guys, uh, it really does something good to my heart to be with you all tonight, just to see you all in one room. It makes me like, like I've said it before, like a dad with all the kids finally in the house. And I know we don't have all the kids in the house But it feels good to have us all together, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good with just a little fellowship tonight as we're eating uh, before service? What we're doing here, as I'm thinking about it, is uh, I've been in other places. And what happens is on on big events like this, on tragedies, then the church tries to spring into motion and be active in the community. They haven't been worried about the people in the church as much. They want you to come, but they haven't been getting involved in the daily life, and now they're going to try to help orchestrate things. You know what our church does? We really kind of do the opposite, don't we? I mean, just think about it for a second. What we're doing is we're saying, we're going to be a part of your lives every single day. (laughs) Come on over to the house. This is why some of us are getting a little cabin fever, because we're going, yeah, it's only been three days, and I feel like it's been a month that I haven't seen some of you. We've, we've talked to you every day, and it feels, it feels just a little strange. Like, yeah, uh, someone, someone said, yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, what a neat thing it is for our church because we have to officially announce that we're not going to have a Monday night foundations. You know, we've got people flooded out, and we have, they're like, yeah, that's kind of funny. We actually have to announce to tell people don't come because we are so used to it. That is our way of life. What God does in us is that we are practicing these things Every single day, so that when we get to a time and an event like this, what we can be is we can be the salt of the earth. That what we're supposed to be, what's supposed to come out is you're supposed to have a little saltiness to you about these things. There are a lot of ways that you can use that word, but there's supposed to be something different. I I brag on the Thomases for just a second. They've basically been the pastors for uh, for their apartment community for the last few days. People are calling them, even when we, when we when picked them up today, people are calling them all afternoon. Text and, and all kind of form of communication. Hey, what should we do? Yeah, y'all are grown-ups. Why are you asking them? Because they look to them and they're getting direction. They're getting godly counsel because the Thomases have been the salt of the earth and the light that has not been hidden there. This is what we're all trying to be and we're actually all looking for ways that we can do this. And this is some, these are some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter two. It's important that we have salt, that we are the salt of the earth. Look at two and verse thirteen. Is everybody there? Yeah. We're getting there. Alright, we're getting there. Leviticus two thirteen, it says this season all your grain offerings with salt. Season all of your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. Doesn't it sound very repetitive? Can you leave, the, leave that scripture right up there on the screen? It, it almost sounds redundant, doesn't it? Season all your grain offerings with salt. Okay, yes sir. Don't leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Okay, so that's twice. Add salt to all your offerings. There's supposed to be something that is so unique, there's a necessity for salt that God gives. You can't give an offering correctly unless you have salt in it. Come on, think about that. If we're supposed to be the salt, there cannot be a right offering until we have the right saltiness about us that God is able to use. Take a look at Numbers chapter 18. Numbers chapter 18. And let's look at verse 19. These are instructions for the priests and for the Levites. It says, "...whatever is set aside from the holy offering the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and your daughters as your regular share. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offering." A covenant of salt. Has anybody ever looked at that through the Word? That's an interesting thing for us to study. We're not, it's not said often, but when it's said, it's a pretty powerful thing. This is a covenant of salt. Everybody say covenant of salt. Covenant of salt. What is it trying to teach us by salt? What is it trying to say that it's a covenant of salt? We know that we're supposed to add it to our offerings. Here we know that it's an everlasting covenant. What salt is supposed to do is supposed to be the thing that keeps food from spoiling. It's supposed to add flavor. It's supposed to keep it from spoiling. It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to help prolong its usage, especially in these days that we're looking at here in the Bible. What do you have? You have a necessity for salt. Why? Because it's supposed to be indicating something that's permanent. Right? If you lose its saltiness, it's worth nothing. You just, you just throw it out and trample upon it. But what we have here is whatever is set aside, it's an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and who else? For your offspring. The importance that we have here. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. I'm trying to lay a foundation for us tonight. When it says you are the salt. You are supposed to be salt. That is what your character is supposed to be. This is what the way of life that we teach here at the church. We're trying to make you. We're trying to help you to be salt. Not have salt. (laughs) I've been kidding around. We want you to be salty. There's got to have something about you that's not just bland, that's not just plain, that's not just something that can fit in. Salt is used to accentuate what's already going on. When you feel the move of the Holy Spirit, if we're salty, you know what happens? We can sense that and, and the very things that God is calling us to, it, it adds to our environment. It adds something special. It's supposed to be and help us to be an incorruptible form. Look in verse uh, chapter 30 and verse 34 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum resin, ancha, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. Everybody say, equal amount. Equal amount. And make a fragrant blend of incense. Hmm. The work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. <laughs> have you ever thought about it? We need to be salted. If we're going to have our lives be an incense to the Lord, it has to be salted and and pure and sacred. When it's talking about salt in the Word of God, what we're looking at is there's a necessity. It has to be in our offerings before the Lord. It's an everlasting. It's supposed to be speaking to the permanence of what goes on that we saw in Numbers 18. And we're supposed to be reminded that the covenant of salt is something that is incorruptible. That what's going on in our lives is something that is supposed to reflect the incorruptible, permanent, pure, sacred nature of God. Okay, pastor, great. We're laying groundwork here because as we go on tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how that our way of life here has already prepared you for everything you need in the days that are ahead. The hurricane actually allows us an opportunity to shine. You should be excited in your heart, not because of devastation around you, but because you get a chance to be the salt. You get to be exactly what Christ is trying to create in us. We get to exercise this in a way that everywhere you go you should be the salt. Every person you speak to, you should be the light. You should have this incorruptible nature that is able to express itself in you. You know why? Because we're working on this every single day of our life. We don't have to fear these days that are around us. We actually can go, you know what? Lord, thank you. Because everything that you do is right. Every work of yours is perfect. We are here. We are in a church that has been uh, largely protected We've all been protected for sure and most of us, even our property, even the property that we have has been protected. It's almost like God started gathering and pulling us from the corners of the city to get closer and closer and closer to a region that what? Has, has been fairly safe. Amen? It's almost like the God of all creation is saying, yeah, I'm making you salt because what I want to do is put you in the right places. I'm going to determine the times and places that you live so that you can impact those around you. Amen. This idea that salt is incorruptible, it's pure and it's sacred only when it's salted. We're going to continue to look at this as we talk about this tonight. You are the salt. This covenant of salt that God makes with us is an incredible thing. We don't think about salt being a covenant. But you couldn't complete the covenant unless it was salted, just as the Lord prescribed.
0: Everybody say, be Be salt. Be salt. What's the difference between being salt and being salty? The first one is the content of actually who you are. You know, I can take a French fry and make it salty, but it's not salt. It's a French fry. It's sprinkled (laughs) on the outside. How many times have you either been or run into somebody who has taken the gospel and just sprinkled it on top of who they already are?
1: Come on. Get
0: it. They haven't actually been the salt of who God has called them to be. Amen. That takes a transformation. Whereas if you're a French fry with salt on top of you, it's just a confirmation. That's not a Catholic reference, but if it fits, wear the shoe. <laughs> the point being is that we can't have just the power of God, just the, the words that we say, just the Christianese and if not the Christian deeds align the outside of who we are. We have to actually be the salt, yeah. but there are some other things that also accompany with this. Go to Second Kings chapter two. There. You know, it's a nice message. Uh, was birthed out of Pastor Wade and pa- and no, Pastor I. I was about to say that <laughs> right out of my mouth. Amen. I'm just gonna be vulnerable. How about that? <laughs> And the mat said to the rest of the people. Pastor
1: Wade loves it when you speak in third person. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amen. You just edit that out, Joy. Yeah. Amen. No, keep it, please. So Pastor Wade and I said, um, God began to stir in our hearts before Hurricane Harvey ever hit land uh, about some unique words. Yeah. And he began to stir in Pastor Wade the idea... Of salt and light, and it began to stir in me the, the word about being clothed. And we were just, you know, wondering like, well, are those two separate words, or do they both have a common denominator that we then need to put together a single word and a single person sharing this? And as we were sitting in the back today and you know getting through all the busyness of what today held, we were just putting it all together. It's like, you know what? None, neither one of us are fighting to stay on a stage by ourselves and preach a singular word, but we step back, and with the encouragement, some of the uh, disciples around us said, why don't we both preach it? This is a, a, a dualistic passion that God has put in us, and as we begin to put scriptures together, we begin to see exactly how these two concepts begin to tie in with each other. So the first is be salt. Say, be salt. Be salt. The next is be clothed. Say, be clothed. Be clothed. All right, right. Second Kings chapter 2. Let's start with verse 1. Everybody there? Yes. Amen. Y'all salty tonight. (laughs) When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. You know, one thing that, that began to catch my eye in this very verse, particularly as surely as the Lord lives. How long does the Lord live? (laughs) Forever. Isn't that the same concept as the covenant of salt? That we're speaking of an eternal relationship, but more than just a relationship or even friendship. We're talking about an an eternal bond and closeness that is unprecedented to anything other than that. So what he is invoking, he's invoking this covenant of salt as a relationship between himself and the Lord and himself and Elijah. You know, that right relationship with God will give you the ability to be in right relationship with mankind. Amen. While we're out and about in the days past, we're seeing tons of people, hundreds if not thousands, come to the rescue of those that, that are their neighbors or they have no idea who they are altogether. And it, it was a wonderful and a beautiful sight. But do you realize that without any semblance of who God is, That mankind will not perform that action. Now, that's a humanitarian action, but it's because man was made in the image of God. And because of that, God instilled in man certain qualities that reflect their acknowledgement of who God is. These are what we call in a humanistic society, morals. But morals are not righteousness before God. Just because you're on a search and rescue boat pulling old women out of a boat and bringing them to shore does not mean that you have demonstrated righteousness. But your right relationship with God will produce produce deeds that do those kind of things. So as we progress through this, let's make sure that we are maintaining a right relationship with God so that we can have what we need to give right relationship with other people. Well, let's look how this developed with Elisha. Skip on down. Uh, Let's go to verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father. That sounds familiar. (laughs) The chariots and horsemen of Israel... And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes. Everybody say own clothes. Own clothes. And tore them apart. Verse 13. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Let's stop right there. Yeah. You know, we have a precedent, a standard, a way of life that's set before us. And I can tell you and encourage you, it wasn't set in whatever uh, year that uh, Life Changes Ministries was established, 2003, April, I believe, or May. That wasn't the beginning of this way of life. This way of life that you now participate in, that we now encourage you with a hand or a foot (laughs) to live and live up to, has been set by the King of Kings. It's been set by the Lamb of God. That Acts chapter 2, or really the entirety of the church that exists in the book of Acts, is the way of life that we're trying to model ourselves after. And here in Second Kings 2, Elisha is doing the exact same thing following Elijah. Yeah. That there was a way of life that was set before him. And what he first had to do before taking on the cloak, the mantle, the authority, the power that Elijah had, he tore his own clothes he realized that he had to rid himself of himself in order to be clothed with power from on high. Amen. He was transformed from being a French fry with some salt that was around him to actually being salt whenever God transferred that authority and the power onto him.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, lots of people have walked through these doors. And one of the more dominant uh, perceptions or, or comments about who we are, I'm sure you guys will begin to agree immediately when I say it, The one word they use, maybe aside from a cult, is intense. Man, you guys are just intense. You're intense with the worship. You're intense with the word. Your air condition is freezing me out. Intense. I got to bring a parka with fur lining in order to sit in your services. You guys are just intense. Yeah, but you know what? I bet you never forget about who we are. This is not a store you're going to walk into and forget what its contents had. Yeah. You're going to remember everything because we are salt. Salty. I don't want to just sprinkle you with some salt. I want to transform you into salt by the power of God. And what we are transforming you into is the way of life that God has established since day one. Yeah. And nothing is going to deviate from it.
1: Yeah. Part of what we're doing here is not just trying to get ready for social justice. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Social justice means that we're going we're to load up and we're going to go bring water uh, to folks. By the way, if you get a chance, fantastic. But we're not trying to teach you social justice. What we're trying to teach you is God-honoring righteousness, God-filled justice that He sets, not just some type of social level where you only help people. If you only help people out of a boat, you feel good about it, they may feel good about it, but what has happened spiritually there? You smiled at somebody... You high-fived them, you hugged them, and they went on their way never to be seen again. What we're saying as a church is, yeah, while you're doing that, the only reason that we do that is to get at a spiritual nature, to get at the heart of the matter, to allow them to do what we're saying that we have done. We've rent our clothes. We've taken the things about us. We've come before the Lord, and we've, we've, we've torn those things off that we might take on the heavenly mantle upon us. And that is the message that we bring. If you've ever been with us to Mexico, you know that we go and we'll bring food to people. You know we're not against helping the people around us. But what we are for is that we, we always have a spiritual component to what we're doing. Amen. Amen. That's the saltiness. Not that you go out and help. There are, there are people all over the world that go out and do that. What we're talking about is something entirely different, that we are clothed with the righteousness, with the very justice, with the very heartbeat of God Himself, that when we go out, we are presenting something that is salt and light to the world.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's take this a step further. Now, keep in mind with you, what's happening here in Second Kings 2 is that Elijah is being caught up in a whirlwind. He's actually, I think you guys have the title in most of your, your, your Bibles and versions. Elijah taken up to heaven, right? Yeah. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. When another guy was taken up to heaven?
1: <laughs> Perhaps you've heard of him.
0: His name is... Jesus. Jesus. There. Acts chapter 1. Say there when you're there. There. Amen. So let's start with verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Everybody say gift. Gift. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The gift that jesus told them to wait for is the holy spirit let me just make that very plain and very clear the gift was the holy spirit that jesus told them to wait in jerusalem in order to receive so when they met together they asked him lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to israel now i don't know if you guys noticed but tonight we're just hitting the plain Peshat of what the Word says. There's so much richness that's behind each and every one of these scriptures. We don't have time to really go into because tonight we want to equip you guys of how to go out there and do what we're doing in here. Now, particularly, you have disciples that have just witnessed some of the most, the most miraculous thing ever in history and never to be rivaled ever again. And that is, the Son of God appeared in flesh, walked the earth, was murdered, by our hands your hands their hands resurrected brought back to life walked the earth for forty days and now is eating with them and hanging out and giving them some some commands and their hearts are burning what do they ask are you at this time going to restore everybody say restore restore has it crossed your mind whenever you're, you're riding around town or watching the news you're seeing the devastation of the floods that harvey has made and you're you're just wondering what is it going to take to restore everything back to normal. Yeah. And our mind goes into years, especially those of you who came with us last year to Louisiana. I mean, a lot of families are just now moving back into their homes after being completely restored over the course of one year. You, you very well may have neighbors to your left and right that will be in that position. You're going to see them visit their home day in, day out, or work on it themselves. And the whole time they're wondering, when is this going to be restored? Let's look how Jesus answered them. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set by his own authority. Well, how about telling that to one of your neighbors? But you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, this is a promise that he made back in Luke 24, 49. Wait in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power. This is our be clothed principle. That not only are you to be salt, but you're to be clothed with power. Before you ever attempt the deed. You know, deeds are righteous acts, right? Yes. And that in this effort of doing righteous acts. We are restoring, we are replenishing, we are renewing the earth. The tikkun haolam is the Jewish statement for this. We're bringing things back into right order. I don't know about you guys, but in situations like this, you walk into an area, you just see trash everywhere and, and you know, stuff outside of people's yards. I don't know about you, but it irks me. I want to go pick it all up and throw it all away and bring things back to a right order. Well, we were designed by God to be irked by that. Because we were put as stewards of this earth to bring it back into right order. To subdue and to multiply. Well, without the power of God, you are ineffectively subduing and multiplying. But let's make it more relative to what we're doing today. Right? So we go out and about. We see people walking down the road left and right. Where uh, Steve and Joyce have been dropped off on Memorial Drive after evacuating their apartment complex. I'm looking at the quantity of people that are out there that don't have a ride. No one that they know can get to them because the Buffalo uh, Bayou has cut off all availability for transportation. And I'm sitting there going, I don't have a vehicle big enough to carry these people, otherwise I would. The bigger (laughs) one that I had, the more people I would fit inside of it. My heart begins to look at all of them, and I want to help them begin the process of restoration. But I don't know where to begin. Have you guys been there? Yeah. Yes. Well, here's what I begin to do. I said, Jesus, I need you. I need your power. I need your spirit to direct me. What do I do in this situation where there's an inundation, there's a flood of restoration that's needed? And he shined his Q-beam of just the focus on this one couple. And I looked over and I said, let's stop. Let's ask these guys where they're going and we can give them a ride. You know, one of the more uh, grounding principles of our way of life here is that God gave us a phrase that helped us begin to know how to do God's will in those scenarios and so many others. One life at a time. It's life changing ministries, but it's changing them one life at a time. What one life is God putting in front of you? That's all I, that's all I could digest. Our truck was already full as it was because we had uh, the Thomases and we had about eight dogs that they're watching for other tenants in their apartment complex. It was Steve's just compassionate heart that reached out to these dogs and wanted to bring them in. And like, I, I feel, felt bad because I looked at this couple they're they're refined and aged. That's a nice way of saying older than most. And I begin to look at them. They're carrying their bags. And there's no real distress in their face. But they're, they're kind of like, okay, this is the logical next step. We're going to walk down this road. And we're going to look for a ride. And we stopped. And Baj asked them, hey, do you guys need a ride? And they were like, e- yes. Yes, Absolutely. And they looked in the truck. They saw the truck was full. And they're, and they're like, where, where do we ride? And so our guys start jumping out and hopping in the back of the bed of the truck. And these guys crawl in. Well, the wife gets in and sits next to Joyce. And the husband hops in the back with Pastor Wade and Steve. And we had their captive audience for the next 45 minutes. Because mm-hmm. we had to traverse from Derry Ashford on I-10 all the way to 610, come back on West Park Tollway up to south of Westheimer. Literally, we could have just drove two miles south from where we originated at, and that's where we needed to go. Yeah. But we had to go around the flooded bayou. And for that 45 minutes, we had a captive audience to begin to, with the power of the Holy Ghost, be salt in these people's Amen. lives. Amen. Yeah. That credit, all that glory goes to Jesus because without His power, we could have done none of it. Yeah. Now, it could have gone the other way. We could have said, Lord, we want to do a good deed for you. And we're just going to pick up everybody that we can, put them in the back of the truck, and we would have still been on the road right now bringing people to their homes rather than having that one captive audience with that couple. Now, we would have done good, but would we have done the will of God? Those are very different things. What Peter wanted to do by protecting Jesus From the crucifixion was a good thing in Peter's mind, but it was the mind of man and it was the will of Satan. If you do not have the ability to tap into the mind of God through the power of God by the spirit of God, you are going to miss the will of God.
1: Absolutely. In order to
0: be that salt, we have to be filled with this power continually as we go to do these deeds.
1: Are you guys hearing the wisdom that's, that's being shared? Yes. We're not just saying to you because it's a, it's a phrase that we have on our logo. One life, one family, one nation. We are telling you the principles that God has laid upon our hearts that He's instructed us through the Word of God that is the way of life of this church. When you have a question about what you should do... Figure out where the one life is. When you don't quite know whether to go to the left or to the right, figure out where that one family is. That, is, that does give us the focus. It grounds us as pastors. It grounds us and our elders here. It should ground you and to go, what should we do? Find the one life that God is leading you to. That one life, the problem with, you get, with us getting too involved in some of the uh, rescue or relief efforts, you know what happens if we're not careful? We start trying to figure out how many people we can get to today. We start getting and you start counting numbers. How many did you reach today, Judah? Oh, he reached 17. Well, I need to reach 19 tomorrow. What about the one life that's right there? What about that one neighbor that's right next to you? The actual, literal neighbor that you have. Not some esoteric neighborhood of mankind somewhere. The guy whose yard touches your yard. Those one life... It mattered to us, didn't it? Isn't that how we all got here? Yeah. Was there was one life that mattered to someone and the Lord used that person and He Himself began to influence our life. What we're talking about here is our way of life. It should be grounding to us. It should settle us. The reason I'm going back and re-emphasizing what Pastor has already emphasized is the fact that this helps you. How does this play out? Well, tomorrow... You're looking for the one life that matters. You're looking for the one life that God is leading you to. And when that conversation is done, when that opportunity to serve is done, you know what you look for? The next one life or one family that God puts right in front of you. And you trust that it's not about how active you are, about how many things that you can accomplish in your own strength. You trust that what He is calling us to do is to tear away our own garments, to be clothed with power on high and to do it exactly the way that He instructs us to if we will just but trust in Him and what He's teaching us, this, we will find His approval upon our lives because we're being perfectly obedient and operating in His strength.
0: The next layer of that instruction that is practical wisdom for you and I in this exact scenario is that He said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from one high, I've been clothed with power. And then where do we go? Where's the epicenter that we begin at? Jerusalem. What is your Jerusalem? We're going to say that that is the house of God, that's the body of Christ. So we look to serve each other. So if Ibrahim's house is flooded, you know what? We're going to get some hammers. We're going to get some. Uh, well, that's about all you need. Uh, we're going to do whatever we can. Some gloves. That's what I was going to say. And we're going to start ripping out sheetrock and do whatever else we need to do. Then we're going to we're going to make sure the body of Christ is taken care of. Then we go out to Judea. This is going to be our our immediate neighbors, person on our left, our right, front, and back. And let me just say, some of us live in neighborhoods where there was no flooding whatsoever. And you're wondering, what do I do? Isn't everyone having a hard time getting back to work? And amen on that corner right there. Woo! And without working, you're not able to pay bills. So what are some practical things that you can do to impact the immediate area of your Judea where you're at? Why don't you make a meal? Why don't you bring it over to those neighbors and just say, "Hey, I know that this is just a hard time, maybe hard to get to work. I just want to come over and introduce myself or <laughs> whatever else it may be, but it's a means of connecting with that person, extending the power of God." And then don't forget, you are there by the power of God to give the power of God. Yeah. Let it be that the meal or whatever else it is as an icebreaker so that you are asking them What can I pray for you about? How can I share the gospel, the good news of the power of God? Because I can be more than certain if there's a neighbor on your left or right, and all they're doing is swimming in this chaos on the news and falling into this flood of hype a lot of times, they are inundated with this four-letter word that starts with an F, and that is fear. They are swimming in this flood of fear, and they are so overwhelmed by it, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to restore things. So what do you begin to do? You begin to talk to them about God's goodness, that His grace, His provision of people that you have known or actually been a part of their lives, of how God is taking care of them and providing for them even though everything they have is lost. You extend the kingdom of God by the power of God. It's not there just to bring a meal and be a friend. It's there to give life because you are salt and you're clothed with power. And these are the deeds that go with that being clothed with power.
1: We got to see something uh, with Buddy the other day. We were coming to uh, visit with the Arius family. And uh, Buddy had gotten there, I don't know, I don't know how much early. It felt like he was there probably an hour ahead of time. Because he knew, by the time we got there, he knew everybody at the site. We were trying to send a boat to help get the Ariuses out. And Buddy had already like, say bruh, say bruh, what's going on? (laughs) And he knew he knew the police officers, he knew the sheriff people, he knew the guys that were running the boat, he knew the guy at the, the uh, relay office that was supposed to give you the address, he knew the 14 people around them. He knew like, them saying, bro. <laughs> it, and he was there for like seven and a half minutes before we got there. We're like, everybody has, is his friend, the police are stopping us, they're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And Buddy's just like walking right by him, they're like, hey buddy, you know. <laughs> Buddy took that opportunity and got to, uh, if you want to know how to do this well, Buddy's one of these guys that you should just hang around. Because what he does in the way of life that he's learned here at this church is he's just him. He's just Buddy and he disarms people just with his personality and he always gets to it. Well, you know, hey, we're here and one of the sheriff's officers uh, that we were talking to um, asked, why are you guys doing this? We're like, well, why are you doing this? And they're like, well, this is what we signed up for. And Buddy goes, yeah, this is what we signed up for too. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. see, we're ministers of the gospel. We want to go in where the people are hurting. This is where we should be running to. We're not running from this. We're going towards it. He turned that thing and she was kind of smiling because she never really heard anything like that and a little bit freaked out and everything. And we're like, amen. This is the way that it goes, as you enter these situations and you're just looking for the opportunity. You're, you're asking God to speak through you and you're making an impact. Buddy literally knew everybody's name and everybody knew his name. You're like, this is incredible. This is what we should all be doing. This is exactly how whatever we encounter should be, it should be marked in the same kind of way. This is the, the way of life. As a matter of fact, turn with me to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. We're going to start in verse 25. And here's what it says. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Everybody say strength Strength. And and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Pastor Matt has been talking about being clothed. We tear our own clothes. We repent. We start at a place of repentance, getting rid of ourselves so that God's mantle, that His cloak can come upon us, His power can rest upon us. Here we have the Proverbs 31 wife, right? The perfect woman. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Hey, folks, we should be able to laugh at the days that are ahead of us right now. And when you can come in, not with, a, not with an oblivious kind of attitude, not with something that ignores the actual facts of what are going on around us, but when you can be clothed with strength and dignity, and you can laugh, you can have a confidence in the days that are to come that our God who was with us before will be with us today, will help us tomorrow, and we can bring that kind of thing, boy, well, you can see the power of God descend on somebody. You can watch that one life, that one family change right in front of you. Let's look at the verse before. Let's pick it up one verse before in verse 24. She makes linen garments, linen garments, and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Do you know why she can be clothed with strength and dignity? Because she's been working on her garments the whole time. She's been working on that every single day of her life. She makes linen garments and sells them. She's already been refining this process in her life so when the days come that we need it, she's already been working on the way of life that God had provided for her, so when it is needed, we're ready to spring into action. It's the people who are always training or always practicing so that they can perform when it's needed. You ever been caught un- un- unprepared for something? Hopefully you weren't unprepared for the storm that just came. What do most of us do? We run out and we're trying to get supplies, right? So that you're prepared. We're saying... That we want in this church's whole entire goal is that you stay constantly prepared. So that when you go to Aguas Calientes, it's not different than the life that you live here. You're actually, it's simplified because that's your only goal today. Is to go out and only minister to the gospel. For those of you who aren't back at work yet and maybe not be back for a couple of days, you know what you get to focus on? You get to focus on being clothed with strength and dignity so that you can laugh at the days to come, so that you could be the salt and the light for people around you. This is what your focus is. Don't tell me that you're bored. Don't tell me that. Because I'm just, I'm just going to fuss at you and say, then you're not focused. You haven't been practicing rightly so that you can perform. This is the time to perform. This is the time to get out and meet your neighbors and to talk to people and to minister in the stores because everyone, you have common grounds. It is the easiest time you will ever have To strike up a conversation with anyone. Hey, how'd you make it through the flood? How's your house? You okay? And people will start talking to you. Anywhere you go right now. Anywhere. We should be, we're in this idea that we are clothed with strength and dignity. Why? Because it's been the way of life that we've been working on the whole time. And so now is when we get to put it into practice. We cannot sit in the church like this and constantly hear the word and hear the word and feel God's presence and be touched by God and have someone prophesy to us and not be ready for today. This is the day that we get to rise up and show. Get out there and exercise your faith. (laughs) We know this, right? The saltiness of the Dead Sea. What makes it what makes it a terrible thing and the salt content so high? There's no outlet. This is the t- we have an outlet everywhere around us. Amen. Everywhere we go, everyone we see, you have the open door to do this now. Amen?
0: Amen. You know, one of the things that we were able to witness has been what God has been working in the background for so long. I mean, like the past two or three years. Yeah. In strategically placing uh, families in this church in certain areas of town for one reason or another, but the bottom line reason is to display his power through each and every family. How many of you guys have done CARES at some point? Raise your hand. Didn't you experience the struggle of just trying to get people to, to come out of their own little world in their apartment and attend events, right? It was like pulling teeth. And once they're there, they show up, they eat food, they stay on the background. Hey, I'm going back to my apartment. Food was great, thanks. They just come and participate, if, if we're honest, in a humanitarian effort. Yeah. that we provide some form of means of comfort and all of a sudden, you know, they show up just for that comfort, no different than the 5,000 did whenever Jesus fed them. So you just showed up because you're hungry. I watched and whenever uh, Steve and Joyce got back to uh, Forte Drive, Forte Campus, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> that they they're exhausted. I think their thumbs were more exhausted than they were Fielding all the phone calls because what this event caused them to do is actively become pastors of their apartment complex and the people that they have never seen have been begging for two years to come to an event so they could present the power of God and the gospel. Now they have the personal phone numbers of nearly every single person at entire complex that they were making not just spiritual connections, they were making <laughs> Holy Ghost you know, <laughs> lanyards of connections. <laughs> and people were calling them for advice of, my child has a, a hundred-degree fever. What do I do with them? And Steve and Joyce was like, ah, was, you know, Steve was a, a, a paramedic for it. while. was like, it's a hundred degrees. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but to take care of, of, of your emotional state, I'm going to contact some other folks, and they will they will see what they have with some Tylenol. Because these guys were willing to get in a boat and go to Kroger's in order to get some Tylenol. Just, the overwhelming nature of what's going on begins to just break down your ability to have good judgment. Yeah. So what God had done two years ago, and for the most part, the, the CARES participation has, has uh, finalized itself in, in our church. This is the, the last thing, couple there. They're making a huge impact because they have been obedient to put into practice on a daily basis to be ready to perform it yeah. when it's needed. So let's look at some of these things. Let's go to Revelation 19 Amen. and verse
1: 8. Pastor, while, while you're turning there, just this one quick thought. The, the Word tells us to, to not despise the day of small beginnings. Amen. Yeah. Sometimes we wonder what our life is about. We wonder if there's purpose. We wonder, it's the, kind of this mundane thing. Hey, when you're trying to live a way of life, when the way of life is what you're after, there are no small days. If you're having a day that seems a little boring, then I call those, we're just going to take a rest because maybe tomorrow is going to be more activity than I can shake a stick at. This is our way of life. We're not going to despise the small things. Amen. We're not going to despise the simple conversations that we have with people at work. We're not going to despise the, the getting to know our neighbors. We're not going to despise those little things because they'll make a big difference if we allow the Lord to do that. Amen.
0: Well, in these small things, we see here in Revelation 19:8. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Yeah, amen. Realize that word acts is plural. It's more than one thing that you ever do. <laughs> say this with me. Good. Good. Come on, everybody say it with me. Good. Good. Is not good enough.
1: It's not good enough.
0: These are righteous acts of saints. I want to demonstrate this to you real quick. This is a visual. Judah, if you could, come lay down here on the ground.
1: Well.
0: And I'm going to jump off the stage and power drive. Let's just lay down right there completely flat on the ground. Let's say that Cody and a few other guys came and, and carried in Judah who had, has an infirmity where he can't walk and he's lame. And they set him right here to be prayed for, right? And let's say many of you guys had your your cell phone, you're on Facebook Live, and all of a sudden all the social injustice warriors who champion every injustice from the comfort of their own home begin to stream and comment and put the little sad faces and hearts and whatever else, emoji cons you want to add to it. And their hearts are just bleeding like a stuck pig for down here on the ground, right? But what's really going through their mind? They're looking at Pastor Wade or, or Pastor I or, or whoever. <laughs> and they're wondering, what are you going to do about it? What's going to happen? What deed are you going to do? Now you guys know where I'm going with this is that Jesus was in the exact same position. He's preaching a message. Somebody barges in on his sermon and they lay down a friend that they've carried from afar and he's lame and, and, and laying down. You know that Jesus put the first step in place and he was salt so therefore he looked down at this this man who was lame and he said pick up your mat and walk how's that for all the social injustice warriors (laughs) tweet that (laughs) with a D tweet that whenever we are out and about doing God's will if you're not operating by the power of God You're not really doing the righteous acts of the saints, because we can look in the gospels, and not only do we see the outcome, we know the person. Yeah, everything that he did was right. Telling that guy to pick up his mat and walk—that's exactly what he was supposed to do. But how is it when you're in that circumstance? What's your first reaction? Oh, I mean, he needs a doctor. I wonder what kind of health insurance plan this guy has, or (laughs) you know, uh, maybe some supplements can help heal his, his leg or whatever. Our first reaction, because, I mean, all those I just mentioned, that's mine. I want to look to my own strength and how I can fix these things. But what Jesus did is that he heard from the Father, empowered by the Spirit, to look at this man and him be salt, clothed with power, and command him to act upon the word and command of God. So he said, get up and walk. The band stands up and walks and then sits down. (laughs) Well, in doing so, let's just say that you go and you volunteer. You volunteer at a shelter, you volunteer at a school. There's nothing wrong with that. But overlooking the one life that God did put in front of you, missing that target to go do something just good, is not good enough. It will not be the fine linen, bright and clean, given for you to wear. Let's look at this a little bit further. Let's make a comparison. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. You know, a, a lot of people look for means of philanthropy and, and definitely this is one of those opportunities where it is a benefit to humanity. Don't get me wrong. I do want to see human lives rescued and saved. And I think their souls are more important than just their bodies. So Matthew 7, 21 begins by not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Next verse. Many. Everybody say many. Many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles and help all the people who were ravished by Hurricane Harvey. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. They were doing good things, if not godly things. Is it prophesying godly? Absolutely. Yeah. But they were doing it outside the council, outside the direction, outside the leadership of the will of God. So what I'm encouraging you, what I'm encouraging me, let's not miss the opportunities that God is putting directly in front of you to demonstrate the power of God because we want to run after something good. And if you're doing that on a consistent basis, you need to stop and adjust the reason why you're doing that. Are you pursuing something good to absolve your conscience of something that you've done wrong? That this is a very obvious opportunity to put salve on the guilt of your heart. And then you very well will see that when you go outside these four walls tonight. So that may be another opportunity that you're at that shelter, you're at that, that uh, aid facility, not for just the people that are coming in to receive aid, but you're there to minister to the volunteers.
1: Because
0: yeah. they're fueled by another kind of power than you are. And the one that they're fueled by cannot absolve them of the guilt as a result of their own sin before the living God. And you'll see them spin themselves to where they have no more money and no more energy, and it seems noble, but it is worthless before the living God. Amen. Let's look at something one, one more verse further. It's a good word, pastor. First Peter 5:5. Five, five. So we have the, the means of being salt. we're being clothed with power. we're being clothed with righteous deeds. But here's the most important part. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. That's not the part I'm looking for. Sorry. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility. Everybody say humility. Humility. Toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Why do you have accessibility? To the power of God. Why do you have then the ability to perform righteous acts and righteous deeds? is so that you have the opportunity to demonstrate Jesus to them, not you. Amen. That it's less of you and more of Him being displayed to that person. When they walk away, they remember more about Jesus than they do about you. Yeah. That His name is the only name. That is resonating in their mind. That is piercing their hearts. That is waking them up later on that night because they can't get out of their mind the words that you said about Jesus. And in doing so, His grace will accompany you. I don't know. I mean, it's very plain and 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 I think redundant to say, but times like this, we need the grace of God more than ever. You guys know just doing a simple construction project has all of its frustrations of its own. Now we're talking about mass amounts of people who are in need of all types of, of, of remedies and restoration. So we need the grace of God more than ever. And let's carry this power, perform our deeds while we're clothed in humility. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Let's turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter four, and we're going to start in verse two. Colossians four two. I have to tell you, as a person who's volunteered many times, I volunteered at churches. I volunteered as a as a school teacher. I've done all kind of blood drives and 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 rallies and support for this and fundraisers for that. I have given a lot of time to a lot of different things. <laughs> what we are encouraging you tonight is to actually be able to make a difference while you're volunteering somewhere, while you're actually giving of your time. I know that this is an important thing to some of us. You guys are calling us going, hey, what can we go do? Yeah, there's a, there's a, re- a rescue phase that's going on right now that is soon to be shifting to a relief phase. People are going to need some relief for the, for the uh, tumultuous things that they've been through. Then there's a recovery stage of this. But what we've got to do is we've got to bring restoration and repentance to them. Amen. I don't want to go through another time where I'm volunteering and I'm giving out plates of food, I'm giving out gloves or shoes or diapers or water and, and just hand it to somebody and that be the act of service. I, I'm, I'm tired of doing that in my life. I've done that plenty. What I want to do is to be able to make an eternal impact on somebody's life. If we can just do that with the person in front of us, we see here in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. It says this Devote yourselves to prayer. Come on, we should be working hard at our prayer life right now. Lord, would you show me? Lord, there's so much brokenness. You heard Pastor Matt say it. God, there's too many people for me to pick up in the truck. There's more people than I can get to right now. Lord, then show me the one. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You have your head on a swivel, you're looking around, and you're so you're so grateful that you are in a position where you're thinking about them. You're not even having to worry about you. You're getting to focus on them. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. The whole point is that God will open, everybody say, open a door. So as you're talking to your neighbor, you're walking up and you're praying and you're thankful and you're watchful and you're going, knock, knock, knock. Lord, would you please open a door for this message? Would you please literally open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ? Who is it a mystery to? Those that are lost. They don't understand it. There's a veil over their heart. They are lost and they don't know it. Lord, would you open this door that we may proclaim the mystery of the gospel of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Are you hearing the steps that you should be praying? Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Lord, don't let me get sidetracked on, on red herrings, on things that aren't important, Lord. Let me be able to rightly hear and respond and it moves someone's heart, Lord. We cannot move someone's heart, but what we can do is put ourselves in a place where his spirit begins to wreck them. And he uses us to do it. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Be wise. Why? So that you can make the most of every opportunity. What a great phrase, make the most. We are in a position now, we are in a time now. If you go back to work, if you don't go back to work, soon. You need to make the most of every opportunity. Amen. I love the fact that our families have been practicing what we preach here. We've been getting together. The Rehuzors and the Kelskis have a whole troop of people over at their house. I love it. We've, we've got people being together so that, they're, that we have this fellowship. And people are getting in the Word. I know it. I've heard you say it. You've, some of you have been sharing it with us. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's be, when we're not out uh, and... <laughs> Stealing some from the fire. From the fire of eternal hell. When we're not snatching them from the fire, we're making the most of every opportunity in our homes. We're being faithful to prayer. We're in the Word because this is a time that we can make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace. Full of the power to help someone overcome their sin. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Make the most of the opportunities that we have, guys. This is a time where we should shine as a church, where you should shine as an individual because we have this hope that your speech will be seasoned with salt, something that will cause a difference in someone, that eternal, immutable, incredible word that God gives us and who we are supposed to be. This is where we are. This is the season that we're in. We have to
0: make the most of every opportunity. So bear with me one minute. Don't follow me on camera. People will throw up. Come grab this real quick. Amen. You haven't seen Speed like this before, have you? Speedy. Pastor Eric had this sign made when he and Jen first started the church in 2003. We've held, we've put it up on the back of every single building we've ever had. And it is perform out there what we have practiced in here. What we're practicing in here is the being salt part. Why are we so intense? Because we're trying to impact you with the transforming power and word of God so that you be salt. And we repetitiously go over and over and over what in our lives is lacking the ability to be salt. And let's let it be transformed. Next, what we're constantly doing is equipping you to perform out there. This is your being clothed part. This is the inner uh, transformation and the outer garment that you wear Man. so here's where I like to begin in putting into practice what we just saw in Colossians 4 2 we want to devote ourselves to prayer and what we're looking for is number one a self-reflection of Lord what in my life is preventing me from being salt because I am needed immediately when I walk outside those four doors or immediately after the service is over in interacting with my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And after we've gone through that self-reflection and letting his word transform our hearts and renew our minds and give us the mind of Christ, then begin to direct us, Lord, how do I become clothed with your power? I know your will so that I can do your deeds on earth and do them in the right humility. Will you all do that with me? Yes. Let's stand to our feet.